Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, is not only the ninth day of December, it is also the 25th day of Kislev. which means that it is the first day of Hanukkah. Every year, as you know, I preach sometime during the Feast of Hanukkah, always in Advent, by way of preparation for Christmas. This year, because the first day of Hanukkah falls On a Sunday, I have the opportunity to speak of that feast somewhat more in detail. During each year of his life, Jesus celebrated the Feast of Hanukkah, which I think is sufficient reason for doing it. On at least one occasion, Jesus went in Jerusalem for this feast. We read in the Gospel of, according to St. John, this is chapter 10, verse 22. I'm giving it to you exactly as it stands. Now it was the feast of Hanukkah in Jerusalem. And it was winter. Jesus walked in the temple on Solomon's porch. And this, beloved, is where I would take you today, this first day of Hanukkah, to Solomon's porch. Let us go to Solomon's porch at the temple. The fathers of the church loved Solomon's porch. They spoke about it repeatedly. The Greek word for porch is stoa. And they had all kinds of things to say about that, particularly to the Stoics. We should not hesitate to gather there in Solomon's porch. Some of our dearest friends are already there. St. Luke tells us, now as the lame man who was healed clung to Peter and John, all the people, greatly amazed, ran together to them in the place called Solomon's Porch. And somewhat later, Luke says, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord on Solomon's Porch. Now, what, what drove the believers to Solomon's porch? What significance did Solomon's porch have? Let us gather with them and join with them today in Solomon's porch, part of the second temple, for it was an early gathering place for Christians. It's one of the earliest sites, public sites, on which the gospel was proclaimed. 
It was on Solomon's porch that Jesus said these words. I'm taking this right out of John 10. On Solomon's porch, Jesus said these words. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who is greater than I, has given them to me. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Christians kept coming back to that place where Jesus said these words. It was a place of healing, proclamation of the gospel. This was the message of Jesus on the winter day when he preached on Solomon's porch during the Feast of Hanukkah. Jesus understood the great significance of Hanukkah. It's a Hebrew word meaning dedication. For this feast celebrates the rededication of the Second Temple on December the 14th, 164 B.C. Thus Hanukkah was just about 200 years old when Jesus celebrated it. The rededication of the temple was necessary because of what had happened three years earlier on December the 7th, 167 B.C., when an altar to Zeus was erected in the temple itself. The prophet Daniel referred to the erection of this pagan altar as the Hakush Meshomim, the abomination of desolation. This a deliberate affront to the Hebrew faith and to the true God came as the culmination of several years during which the people of Israel suffered persecution at the hands of their enemies. This massive pogrom was led by the Seleucid king Antaeus IV Epiphanes. This was a low point in the history of the people of God and a source of profound shock and outrage. At that time, the temple itself was stripped of its adornments. Other pagan altars were erected, and unclean animals were sacrificed on those altars in the very holy place. This was a time of great persecution of the righteous Jews by the unrighteous, not only by pagans, but also by fellow Jews who sold out. And that was the worst of all the believers who sold out to the world. That horrible deed was followed by three years of revolution, at the end of which the victorious Jews purged and rededicated the temple in preparation for the arrival of the Messiah. Today I want to reflect on this theme of the dedication of God's house. 
through a consideration of three biblical characters, Jacob, Joshua, and of course, Judas Maccabeus, the man responsible for the Feast of Hanukkah. Only after I made, made this outline last week, did I realize I had three J's. I've made plenty of sermons where I picked the letters ahead of time and then made the sermon fit. First, let us recall Jacob, a man whom God marked and sought out by his gracious calling. It was to Jacob, later named Israel, that every Israelite was to refer when he offered the first fruits of his harvest. The formula, which seems to have been among the earliest liturgical texts of the Hebrew religion, is reserved in the 26th chapter of Deuteronomy. It's been one of my favorite texts since my youth. It's a text in which I've always found my own identity. I mean, to read the text to you. It's a marvelous text from Deuteronomy 26.5. A wandering Syrian was my father. That's Jacob. A wandering Syrian was my father. He went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great and mighty and populous. Last year when I was in Syria... I was interviewed a couple of times on television. The longer interview, the interviewer, he said, welcome to Syria, which I hope you will regard as your second home. I said, stop right there. <laughs> Syria is my first home. And he looked a little shocked. And he said, why? I said, because I use the alphabet. <laughs> because I use the alphabet. Syria is the link between the Fertile Crescent and the Mediterranean world from which, which comes every last scrap of everything I know and am and you too. The great Mediterranean Sea which binds together the three continents of ancient civilization, Africa, Asia, Europe. Syria is the one that holds it all together. A wandering Syrian was my father. It's a reference to Jacob. This was the Jacob to whom the Lord revealed himself in a night vision. Described in Genesis. Where the Almighty stands at the top of the ladder. Reaching up to heaven and he declares. I am the Lord God of Abraham your father. And the God of Isaac. This was the vision which caused Jacob to say. How terrifying is this place. It is none other than the Beth Elohim, the house of God, and the Shar Hashemaim, the gate of heaven. And so Jacob named the place Beth El, house of God, house of God. That's what God's been trying to do in this world. 
to build himself a house. If Jacob's first encounter with God was terrifying, however, he was nothing compared to the second. Many years later, he wrestled all night long with the Almighty. That marvelous scene where he's wrestling with God. And he gets God apparently in a half Nelson or something like that. Doesn't specify. Could have been a full Nelson for all I know. Jacob named the second place Peniel, the face of God. He clung to God until God blessed him. But the experience left him with a limp. Just to break his hold, the Lord had to throw his hip out of joint. You see, that's what happens when you wrestle with God. You're not going to be normal again. You're not going to walk like other people. You're not going to be a balanced person. You wrestle with God, he throws your hip out of joint. You're going to walk with a limp for the rest of your life. That's one thing that we know about everybody who goes to heaven. They limp there. So what does Jacob have to do with Hanukkah? In the character of Jacob, you learn something of what is meant by the word dedication. At these two places where he encountered the Lord, the house of God and the face of God, it was Jacob himself who was dedicated. It was Jacob who was consecrated and blessed. Jacob is an early example of what it means for a human being to encounter the living God who is revealed in both terror and strife. Now the second person I propose for consideration of this first day of Hanukkah is Joshua, the man chosen by the Lord to lead Jacob's people into the promised land. The book named for Joshua begins with another encounter with God. And on this occasion, the message was entirely reassuring. What the Lord declared to Joshua, let us hope, he will promise to each one of us today. And I ask you, brothers and sisters, to hear these words of God to you today, right now. Because this, this very sermon is the medium for God's word. Hear what God said to Jacob as addressed to your hearts right now. No man shall stand his ground before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses so will I be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. In this one verse, Joshua 1.5, in this one verse, count the number of second person singular pronouns. No man shall hold his ground before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. Five times. 
God was revealed to Jacob with terror. He's revealed to Joshua with reassurance. The Lord stood in front of Jacob. It's a real encounter. The Lord stands beside Joshua. You see, he's not just the God to whom we pray. The God who stands beside us. He is with us. Yamak in Hebrew. Yamak will be with you. This is the same God preparing for the same purpose. A purpose designated by the same Hebrew word, Hanukkah. Dedication. Those dedicated to the Lord will limp their way through this world and into heaven. But they have a cane. <laughs> because he walks beside them. They limp, but they lean on his arm. He upholds them. He tells each one of us, this day, what he told Joshua. I will be with you all the days of your life. You may not always have presence of mind, but you will always have my presence because your very life will be a dedication, a Hanukkah. Every year on September the 1st, the Orthodox Christian Church celebrates what we call the crown of the year. It is our Christian equivalent of the Jewish Rosh Hashanah, New Year's Day, which also falls in September. On September 1st, the Orthodox Christian Church celebrates the Feast of Joshua, the man chosen to lead God's people into the land flowing with milk and honey. That is to say, the church regards Joshua as the one who leads us into the experience of God's worship through the course of the liturgical year. But Joshua introduces us to the land flowing with milk and honey. And finally, third and finally, let us reflect on that prince of warriors, the great Judas Maccabeus, the man who inaugurated the Feast of Hanukkah in the year 164 before the arrival of the Messiah. It's truly sad, let me say, that Judas Maccabeus does not even appear in a Protestant Bible, that, that truncated word of God with an inadequate canon. Judas Maccabeus is not even in it. Many Christians, American Christians, do know Judas Maccabeus, however, thanks to an oratorio composed in 1746 by George Friedrich Handel. Most memorable in that great oratorio is the triumphal march of part three. See, the conquering hero comes. If I had thought about it, I should have run off the music for you and we'd all stand and sing it. 
Dum, da, da, dum, dum, da, 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 dum, dum, dum. On the other hand, it probably wouldn't do. We would have to have, you really, for that, you really need trumpets, snare drums, and timpani. You really, come back to this text here. <laughs> See the conquering hero comes. Sound the trumpet, beat the drums. See the godlike youth advance. Breathe the flutes and lead the dance. Myrtle wreaths and roses twine to deck the hero's brow divine. Just to get myself ready for this sermon, I listened to it twice yesterday. <laughs> In addition to the music of Handel, there's the artwork of Gustave Doré. I'm presuming everybody has their St. John James ecumenical calendar. Gustave Doré portrayed the small army of Judas Maccabeus advancing on the war elephants and the forces of Nicanor. It's a great scene in, in uh, Second Maccabees with this, this massive line of war elephants and the small group of Israelites going toward them. In this portrayal, Maccabeus is pictured in the center, raising his arms in prayer, the sword in his right hand, and the shield strapped on his left forearm. Standing there, he's the center of the thing, raising his hands in prayer, just as it's described in Holy Scripture. One of the main things I make like about Judas Maccabeus is that he was, he was not a pacifist. Indeed, he was not, I'm afraid, the sort of hero many Americans would like at all if they knew about him. Maccabeus was a man consumed with the zeal for God and the holiness of the temple. Judas knew firsthand that the worship of the true God is not something that can simply be attached to a worldly life. Judas was completely uncompromising with the world. Judas hated this world with the same passion that St. John does in his epistle. This is the reason why Judas and his brothers are honored in the Orthodox Church. This is why the Maccabean saints were honored in the Orthodox Church. We honor Judas Maccabeus because he was the man responsible for the purging of the temple thus preparing it for the arrival of the Messiah. Judas Maccabeus understood what the world is about. The world, my brothers and sisters, is not harmless. It is not benign. It is not neutral. The world is not laissez-faire. The world wants nothing less than to violate the sacred precincts of the temple. Every resource of the world is brought to bear on the heart, the corruption of the heart, the pollution of the mind, the destruction of the character, the desecration of God's house, to set up its idols in the Holy of Holies the very heart of the life of God's people.
The reaction of Judas and his brothers testifies that the world cannot be permitted to do this. The influence of the world must be kept at a distance from the heart of our identity. This is the meaning of Hanukkah. Far from being a calm, peaceful, harmless celebration of general significance, Hanukkah is a feast day for cultural warriors who know the strength of the enemy and the difficulty of the battle. Starting yesterday, I began to see little, little commemorations of Hanukkah at various breaks on TV news, where it's described as a feast of peace. Where are these people coming from? A feast of peace is the last thing in the world from a feast of peace. It's a feast of battle and strife and conflict. If Americans had any idea what Hanukkah was all about, they would not tolerate its celebration. This is a feast for ascetics and educators among the people of God those whose lives are especially dedicated to the pursuit of purity of heart and the integrity of revealed doctrine. This is also a day of encouragement for godly parents charged with the difficult task of keeping idols and pollution from the sanctuary of their homes and the precious temples of their children's hearts. Hanukkah is a celebration of spiritual warfare proclamation of spiritual victory. In these three servants of God, Jacob, Joshua, and Judas Maccabeus, we find, I believe, a breathing outline of our lives. 